0: Hello, and welcome to the Keep Going Podcast. My name is Steve, and I'm one of your hosts. There are so many varieties of training experience. The easy run, quality sessions, long runs, VO2 max work, threshold work, steady, etc. The list is very long here, for sure. One very specific varietal is commonly called the grind. In this episode, we steep deeply on this concept and the ways it could be considered. Is the grind essential? Is it good? Is it dangerous? What kind of wisdom, of felt sense, are required to balancing the grind with the very real risks of overtraining? We mentioned discernment as being critical in this regard. I like the analogy of defensive backs in American football. It's always seemed pretty appropriate to me. They have a saying, which is, bend, but don't break. This cuts to the heart of what we discuss around the critical distinction between working hard and smart and risking overtraining and injury. We hope we've thrown a little light on the subject in this episode that we call, The Grind, Varieties of Training Experience. Godspeed, my friends, Godspeed. All right, all right, all right. Let's do this thing. So I, um, I was just thinking about how this morning, I was going through my various uh, entertainment options on my drive down to work. Mm-hmm. And I go through my 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 podcast feed where I get my podcasts and up popped our episode from last week. And you know, sometimes I just click it because I'm like, what if I selected the key if I wasn't a co-host to the keep going podcast? And I just selected it, right, as an option. And um <laughs> and so I clicked on it because I don't really ever consume it in my car like that, right? Like mm-hmm. just cold. So it came on and um we do you know our song comes on and then i do my little out intro over it which is kind of boring and a little bit like like meh and then you come on with some kind of i forget what it was but it was something like existential dread thing that was just purely like truly authentic that was bubbling out of you and i was like yes <laughs> Michael is fully engaged in this podcast in such a way that he's like, yeah, life, 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 life and all the things yeah. with life. And I was like, if yeah. I were listening to us and it wasn't us, right, I would be like, yeah, I'm going to keep listening to this one. <laughs>
1: wacko.
0: And, yeah, exactly. It's like, who, what? What are we talking about here? Who are these guys? And we come in like all like random from in that space. It's like the way they come in. It's pretty cool. <laughs>
1: That's good. We, we always got to come in hot, Steve. Yeah, you we do. got to come in hot. Know. You know, the car test is, uh, is the, is the age old way that even, even when I was in middle school or high school recording band demos, you always had to give it the car test. Yeah. Yep. It's the only way to really understand the auditory quality. Yes. Of, uh. Whoa. What's in front of it, you. Because I if think. it's on your he- headphones,
0: um, you're getting all this clarity, or all this gr- all this lo-fi, if that's what you're going for. But it needs to be able to come through either shitty tinny speakers or Hardman cardins or whatever else you're listening yeah. to. Like you can drop it into other people's cars too, at like somebody's
1: thumping Bronco system, you know, yeah. or some. In your state when <laughs> yeah. you're in the car, your state of mind is, is yeah, totally transitory. Arguably the best. <laughs> Uh, uh, is the best state to to understand something it's the best time to think maybe celebrate maybe uh, you know maybe it leads to some road rage at times but at the same time the car has never let me down
0: no I agree I agree. So anyway, we passed the car test. At least we passed my personal car test. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Not sure if we would have passed yours or anybody else's, but I guess if people are still listening, then we're passing some kind of test. So, uh, so what are we talking about today, Michael? What do, what do we choose of our varying our our, our plethora the, of uh, options?
1: <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about the grind,
0: the
1: and grind. Uh, what, what what exactly is the grind? How do you apply the grind? Is there is there a standard operating procedure on the grind? The difference between the, the middle Packard grind or the elite grind and how we can think about that. I think that it's a pretty dense topic, but, um, is it, I think it's a good one for, for today. I think I've been thinking about it a lot lately.
0: Yeah. I, I have coming to.
1: Off of COVID. I actually have the, I'm coming off of about a week of COVID and and my grind has taken a a different flavor and I've had to kind of face that head on because, um, you know, it feels feels a little different. So what is my current applied uh, situation? looking at my own training schedule in my mind, you know, it's something different than what it actually is right now. So all kinds of good stuff.
0: Yeah. And there's even that sort of more foundational question, meta question of to grind or not to grind. Right? Like, do we even do that? Like, do we even grind? Cause you know, you'll hear, yeah. you know, in our, in our, in our podcast, um, we did that whole episode on zone two and Maffetone stuff. And you know, that is, that that's the anti-grind.
1: <laughs> that is yeah, the we've absolute done the anti-grind. We've done the <laughs> grind. I think we've talked some. I don't know if we've if, if we've I don't know if we should divulge any personal opinions about buzzwords <laughs> or stand hard or doing the thing. We've we've touched on things like that before, but the grind seems to be in the popular zeitgeist something that, that people uh tend to embrace so the question too is is it is it a, is it a healthy embrace or is yeah. it a, uh, is it what is it
0: yeah in the 90s our term was um uh go hard or go home you know that was kind of the way we thought yeah. about it um and i i will say from a generational perspective that was for sure the vibe that we all felt like we we sensed that the only way to be elite at each level. You know, when I was in high school, it was one thing. When I got to high college, it was a different thing. And then when I was in the pros, oh my God, it went to a completely different thing. And it, it's so interesting to think about this concept and idea across that time timeframe. Um, and, you know, it caused... It, it created an, in co- high school and college, it got me a really, really far down the road. But in my pro career, it dropped me off a cliff. Like I was gone quick, right? I, I And mean, so I'm really excited about this topic because I think it has, a, there'll be interest, interest from our listeners from the perspective of what it's like as a high school or a collegiate or a pro athlete around grind, how that might be, how it plays out, like you said, with the age grouper for the everyday average folks that are, that are out there grinding and putting in 50 to 100 miles a week. I mean, anybody that's running 50 to 100 miles a week, at some point in time, you're grinding. Either you're grinding when you're getting out of bed or you're grinding with the quality work that you're doing. If you're in the Telo system believe me, you may not know it, but you are grinding. <laughs> There's a lot of workouts. So maybe that's a good place to start. Like, mm-hmm. if I say grind to you, just, you know, because I brought this topic up from the perspective, and you were like, oh, yeah, but what do you mean by it? Like I have an idea that I'll 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 share with folks in a little bit about it, but I'm really curious if I say the word "grind" from your perspective, how are you how are you sort of thinking about that or sensing it or feeling it embodied in an embodied way?
1: Yeah, well, I um I kind of come at it through two angles. One is I can see it from uh, the entrepreneurial grind, which is staying busy. Uh, you, you know um, it, there's all kinds of things that I could probably excavate into the into the work style grind um, and you know you don't just want to be, be busy just doing work all the time I mean you got to be calculated you got to make the right moves or else you're just I don't know if there's like a, a nice saying about it that you can think off the top of the head like be smart just not busy so i can waste all day on spreadsheets or waste all day for example uh, we we built such a robust operating procedure with a tray you at one point and then i realized i took one step back and i had you know a huge team and not huge but like probably you know and a pretty robust team and all kinds of different operations going and spreadsheets and all this stuff. And then I realized that none of it was pointing to actual sales or marketing. And, and so it was like, you're doing all this work, but none of it will have an outcome. And, and so that's when I went into this, this whole different mindset of preservation of, of, well, let's just make this work. Let's make sure that next year I get to have a job. Let's think about <laughs> that. What are you gonna do? Well, you, it's pretty simple. You order the shoes, you market the shoes, you sell the shoes and you reorder the shoes. Like it's kind of the fundamentals. So the fundamentals play a big part, uh, uh, addressing the fundamentals, addressing the things that, I being able to identify the fundamentals are a huge part of the grind, I think. Now, once you uh, identify the fundamentals, I I do think that there is, is kind of the application of it and, and figuring out how you put one foot in front of the other. And so from, from an endurance perspective, I remember being on the grind, man, I was like firing. I was first cycle in Telos, you know, I was like, I, I remember telling you just like. I don't want to think I want to be coached. I want to do the thing. <laughs> I was ready. I was grinding. I was at a marathon COVID had just released, um, kind of the, the embargo on in-person events and, and we were out and off to the races and I was full on for a year. I was just on top of it and just, just purely you know momentum and then i got to my main race in saint george for the iron man world championships and basically just had zero in the tank i had grinded myself into oblivion <laughs> into a pulp and, and and so it really kind of to me there's there's a responsibility there is um a maturity there's 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 a wisdom that's involved in being able to understand the fundamentals of the grind and how to apply them based off of whatever um situation that we're given in front of us. So that's the way that I kind of unpack it myself.
0: Yeah, I think that's good. That's uh it's there's two pieces there, right? So what I'm hearing from you is number 1 it, Life's a grind. Business is a grind. Training is a grind. So therefore, it's grind. Yeah. if you, it's it, that's a part it's of it. That's the yes. It's the day to day, right? There's the day to day grind of consistency, and that's how we frame it a lot of times when we think about training. You'll hear that from folks, especially for those people who are just getting started and running, or people who have fallen off for a while and they're coming back. And what they realize is like, oh God, it's not as easy as I thought it was going to be. You're like, okay, get the get through that window of 21 days or 35 days or 42 days or whatever the window is for you to get that habit. Rolling and because the habit, the consistency, not having to think about it means dropping into the grind and recognize and then so that in that way the grind is a really good thing. But there's a point where we grind shifts in our in our nomenclature out of the day-to-day work and more into something much more what I would call embodied. Cause I don't think we embody that. That sort of, there's a sort of get off the couch. I mean, get out of your house and get started or get doing the thing you need to get doing. And then all of a sudden the grind is gone, right? It's not really a grind at that point, but those people who are past that typically where they're at with the grind is, um, is this discernment around how much work is appropriate. Uh, you, that you alluded to in the second part there. So I think there's a really good place to start that there's, hey, we're not going to talk that much about grind in the first context. We are assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you're already totally cool with the day-to-day grind. In fact... If we took it away, it'd be like taking away your coffee, the ground, the ground, the grounds. Like as soon as you, you ever notice that you try to do a detox from coffee, you're like, I don't have a problem with coffee. I could just stop. And then you stop and you're like, oh no, I can't stop today. I need to have a little bit today. Like that's how most people are with the grind in terms of that context with running. Most of the people I work with and myself included, well, I, I shouldn't include myself, but most people I work with To even take it away from them would be really taking away something really important. That's that's something that's really essential to them. But this second concept of the grind being the level of the kind of discernment on the work you're doing. Because there is this concept that we all know and appreciate that you have to work hard in order to get your goal. Um, And this becomes very frequently uh, the modus operandi. Um, and this is the place where you and I have talked in the past about needing a practice so that there's a level of discernment that's helpful here. Because if you're not careful, your pursuit will dictate what the grind actually is. That the very quickly the pursuit will say, "Hey, more is better." If 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 50 miles a week was good, 75 must be better. Um, and this is. It's
1: from people. a narrow field of correct, letting the the pursuit goal kind of uh, it it leads to like some type of myopic, um, uh, you know bandwidth of and, what grind actually entails
0: and justification for just eviscerating yourself, which right. honestly we have to admit that those of us who are kind of at this level. Like there is some kind of sweet, sick, sadistic kind of shit going on with that (laughs) because we like to suffer and we like to hurt and we think that's how we're supposed to get better and that's why we justify it because it's like, hey, you know, anything to get the goal. Um, And then what happens in that case is that a person grinds a little too much and they either get burnt or they get broken. And this is where this topic I brought it to you. I was like, the grind versus breaking and broken. Like. And, and this is the kind of the place where we want to kind of make the rest of this conversation. Like, where does that sit for people? And and is this an idiosyncratic thing? Or are there any kind of broad sweeping suggestions we can make that can be helpful? Um, where does that sit? And I think this is just really fun place to play. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So if I may, in practice, I'm going to... I, uh, you, you know, a lot of the time when I, when I think about this, I think about your program, which is, which isn't, there's a lot of there. It, it's not, I don't even know how to say it. I don't know if there's a lot of intensity or a lot of, it, it's just a lot. It's, it's, it's a, it's, um, it, it's a program when you sign up for it, it is, uh, there's a lot of responsibility, maybe. And and so going into something, for example, like um, I'm gonna turn the gain down on my microphone just in case it clips on your end. Um, so I'm putting myself into this like kind of scenario where you've got a workout coming up and maybe it's a six by one mile or something like that. And in my head, the the grind how do you, there's a, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is applying it to something like getting ready for a key session, getting ready for, um, for that, for that session. A lot of the time it, it feels like we're taking our foot off the gas to recover, you know, drop the intensity adapt down week, everything like that. And when we, when we get like kind of myopic about the goal, uh, you know, in it the months in advance, it's easy to get super consumed by that down week feeling, um, you know, like wasted time mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. And, but, but the reality is if you're looking at the fundamentals and that six by one mile is a key session, um, then really nailing that session is probably more important than the large amount of time leading up to that session is that appropriate so where my head starts to swirl around in these thoughts is like you know i'm i'm thinking about myself i'm fatigued i, I actually i'm talking about it currently like i'm i'm currently going through a downtime from covid i haven't been in the pool for a few weeks uh maybe maybe a week and a half I've been on my bike at low intensity, just kind of working through it. But so the flavor of, of what I'm doing right now is kind of for the greater good mm-hmm. of, of the big picture, but it is like, it's kind of really weird. So if I were to turn on the goal setting mode and go out and do. An hour and a half session of intervals on the bike, and go out and do interval sessions on the run, and a 15 mile long run after a five mile bike. I I probably run myself down, even though it's kind of grinding towards the goal. So I have to think very carefully about the responsibility to know how to throttle that. So my question to you, I guess, how do you feel about that? Hey, how do you feel about that statement? Is it does it? Well, I
0: think I think one of the things that's important to talk about here is this embodied experience of the grind, which is not what you're pointing at. But I think in order to be able to skillfully and I use the word discern, to be able to discern effectively whether yeah. you should or shouldn't grind based on where you're at with things. And then that sense like you're discussing of this like break period, the the drop week and feeling like I'm not up to speed because I didn't grind, right, is let's just talk about the physical experience, the experience, the felt sense of grind. And I think of grind as kind of a spectrum where you've got a grind that's a really, really, really coarse grind. And this is um, the kind of grind I feel at the end of a long run. Um, So really, let's say we're doing a two and two, two and a half, three hour long run. And there's that sticky and ground up because everything's not fine. Everything's like, like I kind of like a, it's like a coarse ground you know, brew, right? You're, you're, you got these chunks in it and it's not gonna, it's it's not gonna move real smoothly. Water's not gonna move through smoothly through there. You're not gonna get as much extraction or you don't think you're getting extraction, but you really are. But there's a period of time where that grind, that feeling is a sense of the the muscles, tendons, and ligaments kind of like grinding and going back and forth, right? And it's painful. That's one side of grind. And then there's a couple of other variations along the line. And then there's this sort of grind that happens I like to say when you're doing some kind of workout that's at 5K and 10K pace when you're deep into the session. So let's say that this is five times a K if you're doing a 5K workout or six times a mile like we're talking about at 10K paces where you know that you're going to get to a point where this is really hard. One of the workouts I used to have all the time, I still put this out in the schedule for my athletes. I call it the 2-1-2. It was two mile, one mile, two mile at 10k pace, and the first two miles were starting the grind, and then the mile was really hard and really hard to focus on. But you knew the second that second two that second two mile section, the third wrap of it, which was eight laps at your 10k pace, the l- grind there was super fine. It was very, very fine. In fact, you didn't know how bitter your brew was gonna be because it was so fine that the hot water is running through it, you're like, you're almost cooked. Like it's not, like you're, you're just done. And you're hanging on by just the thinnest thread like just the thinnest thread and you're trying to stay with it. This is that experience I call dancing at the edge with my athletes when they're doing half marathon and below racing. It's like being able to go back and forth. You don't really dance on the edge in the marathon because the marathon's easy until it's hard and then it's really, really fucking hard, right? But all the other races have this sort of being able to discern where you're grinding too much or the grind is too much or whether it's something you can sustain and hold. So those are two experiential embodied experiences and what i would say is when we think about them you need it goes back to your question about you know what the workout is designed for so if you know that the workout's design is a long run at easy paces when the grind comes you just enjoy it you're like okay this is exactly what i'm looking for it's appropriate it's good discernment for the use of that grind if i'm doing a workout like i just described the 212 workout and i get near the end that i should expect to feel that kind of grind right that but if i feel that at mile the second, the first mile of that two one two, I'm probably in big big trouble. If I feel that level of grind when I'm doing a long run and I'm at an hour, you know, my thought process there is okay. How do I assert? How do I? How do I assess this? Um, this brings up a big question about how much the athlete needs to make those kinds of choices and how much the coach needs to make those kind of choices, which is a slippery slope. But I do think each athlete needs to come to grips with this idea of grind from these two perspectives. So keeping that in mind. The kind of grind I'm thinking about in a two-week-up, one-week-down model like mine is that the first week is sort of like that first two-mile section where you're like, you know, it's hard, you're doing work, but it seems like everything is okay. You may not hit your reps exactly right, but you're kind of on top of the work, right? You're on top of each session as they progress. But as you get into that second week, and I purposely make my second week harder than the first week, you've got the accumulation of the work that's come before it, And then you've got a big session, usually early in the week. That's more, you know, VO tube kind of based, um, more threshold, VO two E. And then you've got a super speed economy, fast, fast going. And then the last session of that two week window is usually a long marathon specific quality session. Why? If we're marathoning, why? Because I want you to get it to the grind much more quickly. So I don't actually have to put the load on your body of 22 miles before we start doing the work for four miles worth of work to prepare you. I'm trying to get that done by 12 miles. So this accumulated load is putting you in a grind space, a space of grinding that hopefully that grind is something we get to earlier. So you experience it like you will in the race, but it's not too much to take. So then each athlete is kind of has this level of responsibility, this level of personal reflection that has to go about, about where is too much for that? How does that play in and how does that work? Um, So that's how I would say is there should, if you know your program, you should expect to see something like this or it may not be periodized like I periodize mine. This works for me because then we take another week where we go basically easy running for a whole week. I mean. We, we almost do no quality work except a little bit of speed work. Sometimes I'll do some quality work at the back end of it. Like this week in my drop week, because it's early in the cycle, I'll do, we're doing a little half marathon specific session because it's a good, if you haven't raced a half, it's a good thing to do and it's a good time to do it because it's not, you're going to recover from it pretty easily, right? But yeah. that's the beginning of my week and so my, my cycle. And so I know that that now, that three quarters workout is going to have an effect on each of those sessions along the line. You know, so, each coach, each program you see will periodize that a little differently. Um, you know, some programs slow drip it all the way across. Like that's their plan is to keep it at a slow drip all the way across, and they don't give you so much of a drop. Um, you see that in a lot of swimming, cycling stuff, right? There's this accumulated grind. But the thing about running that I think is a little different is we do need to unload you or else you're in danger of um, of a of, of physiological breakdown in a way that's um, – Far more uh, biological and not so much psychological, energetic, but it's more like muscle It's like more like than musculature. The skeletal system needs unloading in order to be effective. Um, so yeah. So what I would say is in that question about grind in the drop week, it's like if you feel like you don't need the drop week, then you did probably didn't grind appropriately, or it's early in the cycle, or it's early in the cycle, and sometimes in those first six weeks, nine weeks, 12 weeks, even usually by the ninth week, my athletes are in the grind appropriate grind. And that's where we're trying to get. And then their drop week is a much needed respite from all of that grind where they get a little bit of a break and a rest before they get back into it. And again, then it's a a little more gradual then very, very hard and then drop. And then a little more gradual, very, very hard and drop. That's how I've periodized it over the years because I find I get the best bang for the buck there and then i get the nervous system unloading and people are allowed their their bodies are a feeling that that's the appropriate way to work and then it works well there are people that don't work well in this system and they just get out of my program because they don't that doesn't it, and it doesn't work for everybody you have to get that grind appropriate for you and feel like it's right now there's another metric here michael the pace metric that all the way through this cycle if somebody did all of this work that i'm discussing at paces that were slower it, the grind would be much more manageable. It might not even feel that grindy, right? It would feel pretty smooth and easy, and that's why I'm always like, hey, if you're not feeling it, drop back to some slower paces to allow yourself to recuperate and recover because you'll get you'll get some real benefit from that. Um, anytime anybody is ground down or overtrained guess what we prescribe we don't prescribe full rest i don't prescribe full rest i prescribe zone two absolute easy run and do as much volume as you've been doing or maybe a first week of dropping just so you get a little bit of rest and then go back to if you're doing 60 miles a week 60 miles a week but just all aerobic no quality no speed stuff because then you want your body to start to feel better and it's like instead of a grind it's just it's just it's it's recycling it's like cleaning you out getting all that blood flow.
1: Anyway, I just went off there for a while, but
0: that's how I'm thinking
1: about it. Is it safe to – well, two things. It's safe to assume that there's – again, I'll say it. There's a level of education and responsibility involved in being able to acutely – and I know you hate this word – objectively understand if and when you're grinding and and, and be able to really – uh, build build an acumen for for understanding that and getting brutally honest about if you're in the grind or not in the grind, and that leads me to the second thing is that the grind doesn't necessarily sound like it's omnipresent. It, it more is like it, the way that you kind of explain it, it seems a little bit more like a toggle on and toggle off and knowing you're in it, knowing you're out of it and know when you're loading and unloading, especially um, when, when it comes to um, understanding things like, like the subtleties of the nervous system. And am I, so I'm understanding that correctly? A hundred percent.
0: Yeah, let's yeah. use an example here. This could be really helpful for folks. When I've got somebody onboarding at the various levels I've worked, so at the collegiate level, at the pro level, and at the age group level, I'm always assessing new athletes coming in for their ability to manage the grind. And each one of these levels is a little bit different, and each one of these groups brings a different... It's an aptitude. It's an aptitude and a personality yeah, it's got it. It's an aptitude of requirement. It's required to be good to be able to do well at adjusting your grind to the grind appropriately. So, um, th- it's a real danger for freshmen. It was a real danger for first year people in my program, and it's a real danger for people who just join up with Telos. I have to keep a really close eye on them because they don't have any discretion because they don't yeah, know what's it, coming up. Like the, it, the and they want to look good. I mean,
1: yeah, yeah, and they went and they went to Kool Aid, And everybody's rocking, and you're getting your shit together, and let's go. And man,
0: when I was at the collegiate level, it was really, really true, okay? And even at the pro level, because my pros would start with cross-country, because it's a little bit different, because I had a cross-country season that our sponsor valued. So, um, and cross-country is always a grind, man. It, there's just something about cross-country, the way the course is, because it's up and down Hill and Dale, tough, tough courses, tough conditions, um, sometimes always in September and Oct- or September, early October, super, super, super hot. And then November, really, really, really cold, And like, it was just always, like, it It
1: cross country country is a a grind it's it's the trail running of high school sports it is
0: and 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 college too it's like it just it starts the whole process and so in in being not having discretion being indiscreet with that loading is a real problem. Um, yeah. It's when I was working at Rogue and at, tel- and at Telos, It's not so much at Telos because we're so focused on running easy. I've, I've really got that beaten into people. But at at Rogue, when I worked there, the, I I wasn't paying. That we had we had a hundred people in the team Rogue group at at its height, and so mm-hmm. I couldn't. I knew everybody, but I couldn't really know exactly what they were sensing and what they were feeling. And honestly, I wasn't always quite paying as close attention as I needed to. And so I would just let people grind. In fact, I would let the grind, the, uh, Team Rogue was a grindstone. It was designed to see who could handle it coming out the back end. Um, and it wasn't that I was proud of that. I mean, I probably was because I was immature and an j- asshole and those kinds of things. There's something about it that I have to admit that I was. And I think some people loved that about me. Some people hated it about me. I'm not that way anymore. In fact, most of my athletes at Telos are like, Steve's soft, he's gotten really, really soft. I don't think I've gotten soft, I just think I've gotten more discretion around what a grind is really supposed to be doing. But when you've got that many people and there's a sort of already a flavor for grind, it's like we're all gonna have, when I was at at Rogue, Team Rogue for periods of time, we were brewing not the best quality bean with way too fine a grind, and the water coming through it
1: was turning it into a super bitter thing. Because there's so much group mass. Correct. That's the bar, and it does the thing. And if you're below the bar, you have low self-esteem, so you need to grind harder. And and should, they were
0: already accu- they were already accustomed to the load too. So those people that have been in the system for a year, two years, five years, they, when anybody came on new, they were already sort of they'd already taken the medicine. They've already they were already inured to a certain amount of poison in the system, right? But when you hit yeah. it and get hit it hard, like there's a lot of overtraining that can happen, a lot of injuries that happen, a lot of of
1: of self flagellation danger. that goes on. Yeah. It's this so- is the danger of yes. some big, the bigger, I'd, it, what I find to be in it really cool from, from a coach's perspective is that you can identify the, the, uh, the level of awareness that somebody has in their own routine that may be more positive. And it seems like the grind is more personal than it is on a public perception
0: Okay, level. but let's let's toggle over, because at the exact same time I was coaching, exact same time I was coaching that population, I was coaching UT's, collegiate women, and a pro group.
1: So is it different? Yeah,
0: yeah. So, it's so it was very different, because of the levels of responsibility I had for the outcome of each athlete. So at the collegiate level, freshmen that came in, I really did allow them to grind a little bit more, and allowed the grind to be a little less appropriate, because they were going to need to get inured to a certain amount of work. Right. Like I needed them and I expected them to be better their sophomore year and better their junior year and better their senior year. And so in a lot of ways, it was like, okay, this is just what we do here. So get used to it. Um, And there were times where um, but I was always I always went back and touched each athlete that needed touching if they were falling apart and then give them some suggestions on how they might be able to manage it. But it was usually pretty quick. And then I would have office hours where I would ask my athletes to come in and talk to me. Those athletes who were, needed to come talk to me didn't, but the athletes that didn't necessarily need to come to talk to me did, as the case may be. But with my pro group, I mean, I felt way higher. Less people in that group, way higher level of responsibility for the outcome. Because these people had put the rest of their life on hold. And I had a sponsor who was, wanted results. Mm-hmm. So I had an athlete that really really wanted results. I had a I had a sponsor that wanted results. So in that case, I was far more focused on fine-tuning the grind and getting it right. But the problem was that the level of performance the, the grinding necessary for the collegiate game to be good at the at the at the sort of regional level or the conference level, um, even in the big 12, it, it just wasn't as high as it is at the pros. So at the pros, the problem was it's like, there's a requirement of a certain level of grind in order to be great in a short window of time. Mm-hmm. And then there's, but there's also a, a, a lack of ability to handle that amount of work. So then it's like, how long do we have? Do I have a year or do I have four years? If I have four years, right. I can do you it the way it I did it
1: near the outcome. The grind is arbitrary. You just do it. Correct. I've watched uh one of my favorite athletes, um in the triathlon space, Lionel Sanders is, is kind of notorious for displaying his uh propensity for the grind. His uh, ability to uh, grind. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. And uh it, and it was like we we're just watching this guy, you know, go so hard. <laughs> And sometimes the outcomes were great. Sometimes they weren't. But you could tell that from a pro level, you know, when you're raising your family, when you're dedicating your life, when you're doing everything. Like there's there's a level of uh, understanding that it's not all going to be healthy, you know, if you got to achieve the outcome. So that's an interesting. That's an interesting point. Yeah, this
0: goes back to our episode. Difference. This goes back to our episode on risk. Okay, Mm -hmm. so we just want people, if you're wondering what's there around that, the group that I was working with at Rogue, um, the level of risk was not very high Mm -hmm. um, for me. Now, it was for them, but it wasn't for me. But at the collegiate level, there was a high risk, but I had a period of time in which I could assess that risk and work it through a time frame. At the pro level, the risk was high and immediate and right there, right in front of my face. In fact, people could opt out. You know, Even this is hired, they could they could ship the to pros. another group or find another place to go or something else. And so there was a pressure to keep them. And then there was a pressure to get the result from them. So it was like to that level of risk was how I needed to risk more and more with that faster group in terms of. But the kind of risk I took was a little bit different. Right. And the grind is appropriate for here. It's like how you do that. So how does this play out for the for for the athletes I work with now? It's really important for the athlete to have a really good idea. Um, And we talked about this a little earlier offline before you talked about how oversaturated the market is with why, right? Um, But I do think that while this market and all of our world talking about purpose and meaning and all those things, all these things can be um, a bit, uh, we can get inured a little bit to it. I do think we really have to be pretty damn clear before we get started on a training cycle what, our why is for that, at least for that, yeah. for that race, because that's yeah. going to be something that you're going to have to, you're going to, your, gr- your ability to grind will be based on that level of purpose and meaning that you're going to get from that result that you're looking for, whatever your goal is it needs to burn. It needs to burn enough yeah, to be able sure. to take it's a the prerequisite.
1: Grind. You have to Correct. know why. And, you know, I think we're really great as a culture at we in the past 10 years, we've become, like I said, even from the Simon Sinek, I think it was like leading with why or something like that. Like ever since this, we we've been in the era of why, and I believe in it. We've gotten, we've gotten really good at it. In fact, we've gotten so good at it that everybody can go around saying why they're doing something and and how they're doing it. I mean, uh, and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I'm running this because I'm doing this, because I stand for this. I'm buying sustainable. Because I believe in going green, yeah, all this stuff, and and it, whatever your why is, it's easy to draw a clear line between the 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 why and the what. But I think less inclined is the how, and I think a lot of that is kind of suppressed because a lot of the how isn't as, isn't as sexy. <laughs> no. It isn't it isn't as um it isn't as entertaining to say how Except I, except for practitioners of the craft, right? right if sure. you're
0: yeah. into the craft, which is what our like listener base is here,
1: for example, you know, how a Kenyan long run can start at a 13 minute pace. It's like ad how is pretty interesting. Yes. That's cool, so, but they, you know, like, or
0: the running. obsession yeah. we have right now with what's going on with the Norwegian model, both in the tri world right. and in yeah. the running world and in the cycling world, like double thresholds, what's going on that? There? There's a there are some sexy attributes to that, that are, but, oh but,
1: yeah, maybe I'm overlooking a lot of, a lot of the,
0: how I don't think you're necessarily overlooking it. I think there are just some clear indicators that get people excited because the how is so, so fucking boring. I think you're right. The how the is so boring.
1: Clinical. It becomes clinical. But like again, c- understanding and listening to your body and how you respond to that is clinical. Mm-hmm. It is very black and white a lot of the times. And you don't, it's not something that trends right most and, often.
0: And let's go back to the thing that you said about the why, right? Because that's where I was going. And I think why doesn't get anything done. Now, why sometimes will help you get over a hump or push you out the door but why doesn't grind it doesn't grind well it needs to just set and it shows up at critical points and critical junctures and you want to be clear and that's where i why i focused on why for so long in my coaching career was because i was finding athletes who had a lot of good what's because i and what and hows um but that they really hadn't had why's that had been really Hard pressed and pushed, and so when they, when push came to shove, and it all got down there, their why was flimsy and and not very effective. So I do think whys are really important, but I think that they're not the thing that gets stuff done. Why doesn't get anything done? <laughs> um,
1: how we can gets talk about everything the done? Why in in another episode too? Because yeah. even I traditionally have had a hard time identifying my why. It doesn't mean that it merits every athlete I work with. going to work. It's just like, if I, I, would, I would imagine that at least half and probably way more than that, maybe 75, 80% don't know why they're running their next marathon.
0: Okay, but th- I would disagree with that. I think they all will have a hard time uh, recognizing how in front of them their why is, okay? Okay. okay but okay, how overlooked it, it is. is. This is exactly. something. This is something I do in my in my race prep that I think could be really helpful here, and it helps with the grind. Okay, I'll say to people right before they get ready to race, I'll say, "Why are you running this marathon?" So number one, why are you running twenty six point two mar- miles? There's got to be a reason for that, and everybody's got a reason. Now they may not be able to articulate it, but the reason if, if they can't articulate it, it's probably because it's there that's okay. That's a really, really good.
1: It gets lost over time. It gets lost. And you caught in the grind.
0: And it's so important to know that it's there because it gets ground out of us. And we're like, oh, I don't care. And it's so hard. It's so difficult. That's why you did it. That was the risk. That's what we talked about with the risk. It's like, it's right there. Okay.
1: Specifically too, it gets lost at the, at that highest point in that month out before the race in that fatigue zone. So maybe we go into it knowing our why, but we lose it when the, the grind becomes so kind of eclipsing of of the uh, of the meat. Yes, like the I agree. On the bone, I yeah, totally yeah, agree that's with an you. Interesting
0: one. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, the next question I ask them is why the Houston Marathon. So if that's what they're running, is like, why did you choose Houston? Well, flat, fast course in January. Um, well, good supported, really close to travel to if you're in Texas, or really far away, and it's a it's a it's a world class event like. Every person that chose a particular race has a really good why for why they chose it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, it could be this is the best place to get a BQ, or it could be it's Boston itself, right? That one's really there. That one's there all the time. The why for Boston is, you know, and, or I wanna get my Boston qualifier. And so that, how does that fit around that, right? And then the last question is so the first question is why 26.2? Why where you're at? Right. And that brings in community that brings in a whole bunch of other pieces that I can use later on to, to show folks that it's a good that they can they can suffer well. OK. And then the last one is why this time goal? Why this arbitrary time goal? Um, and and in most cases, um, what I'm showing there is that the first two are so much more important than the last one. <laughs> right. So uh, and, and and that that last one is the one that's most uh, slippery. Sure, and difficult to difficult to actually reach, um, and um, really at the end of the day, far less important to their experience. Occasionally it is, but more often than not, they recover from it pretty quick. We talked about this in a couple of episodes recently, but um, but coming back to the grind, it's a lot easier to do that grind to stay in that grind when you hit that really hard pot spot if your why is there and good and solid. But again, yeah. yeah, we we if I ask somebody why they run, um, I have people who have been trying to answer this question for two three years. It's it's a really hard question to answer. It's always going to be in some
1: kind of esoteric, uh, times the, indescribable you know, place, right? Sometimes I, I talk about that, the original question, which to me is always, what was the intention of lacing up for your first run? And, it, it, you know, that question, we all knew what our why was, like almost immediately. But again, the grind sets in, you join a group, you join a training plan, you sign up for your, not your first race, but your third. And then all of a sudden this, the the omnipresent power of the grind starts to kind of starts to poke holes at that. You start to question, you know, what's going on? What am I doing? Why am I doing it? Am I doing it to get better? Do I need to reevaluate why I'm doing this? Or, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that naturally happens, but even in a micro cycle, you know, that can really be, um, that can really That can change the outcome of a six-month training plan and going into a race day. I can tell you that much. If it's hard to, if it's that obvious, over the course of five years, ten years, twenty years running, of that you can kind of go off the path a little bit, veer off, veer off. I mean, that's obvious for me. There have been points in time where I've absolutely not wanted. To do anything mm-hmm. with Ryan, and have anything to do with it for weeks at a time, and and I was like, well, I've just I've lost the in, I've lost the intention, kind of the whole thing. But like, if it can be that easy to identify on a um, on a macro scale, then on a micro scale, I mean, the the interesting thing is the intensity on a micro scale is so much higher. I mean, we go into these things, putting it all on the table. You know, we can put it all on the table for a race, for sure. And Then the grind sets in. And it's like, you know, it really can, it can, it can really rock the outcome in a positive way or it can rock the outcome in a catastrophic way, I find. I've been on both sides <laughs> of the table.
0: Yeah, I agree. I do think it'd be really instructive to discuss a little bit in relation to the grind about when is, when are we grinding too much, and when do we need to grind the same amount or more? Like, how do we discern? How do we gain discernment in this? Yeah, it's area? almost
1: like a, where's the delta in the grind? Like, like a, you know, it's at a certain point in time. That's where I'm kind of yeah. This part of the the convo can, can kind of like go into the. I do you think that there is some foundational? you know, aspects of, of the reverse engineer that we need to meet, you know, the, the minimum viable grind, (laughs) MVG. I
0: would, I would start at the other end. Mm -hmm. I would say, what's the, what hap, make it aware, make someone aware of what the cost is when the grind is off, when you've gone too much, when you've done too much. This is something I think is really instructive and I don't get the chance to talk about this very much. Overtraining is really real. And overtraining is the space in which you have done either too much volume, too much quality or too much volume and quality all at the same time and you don't have enough base to be able to handle it. You haven't got enough zone two or easy running. in your system to be able to handle the toxicity of the hard grind of the tough work. You need a real, this is why we talked about the base and the importance of zone two. And the reason you do that is you front load that on the front end or you get a big base of that and then, or you create a sustainability model that you can work with. But what happens when people get really aggressive with their grind? Is that they they'll keep building and building and building and getting excited and then and they fall. There's a cliff that they fall off and this is I what I remember
1: that yeah. This actually, is
0: what it is. It happens immediately and mm-hmm. there's no coming back. So it it, it I just want to make it clear that over the risk of grinding is overtraining and the the only way out is six weeks of zone two
1: work. <laughs> okay. Right. I remember when we discussed that with uh with with John, John mm-hmm. and it's changed everything because I don't need to go understand the science or the biology behind it. You can feel it. It, you can, you can feel burnout. You can, you can feel chronic fatigue. You can feel uh fritz of the nervous system. Like it, so it's the lemming effect. If you jump off that cliff and what that means in practice for me, how I've changed that is kind of taking a, a good look at the end of a workout <clears throat> and usually I'd be throwing up on the track. (laughs) I would go out there and do yasos and just puke my guts out, (laughs) And you know, back in the day. And I thought that was grinding. And maybe one of those sessions is, is interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, gives you some inputs. Too many of those sessions is going to be like, like now I never want to finish a workout feeling like that. I want to get up to that nine, up to that, But never take it to a 10 because a 10 means you're over the edge.
0: Yeah. And then the other piece to that, that's true. And that's absolutely there. My dad used to say to me when I was in high school, always feel like you could do one more rep. When I got into college, I didn't do that because the kind of work that we did in college, I needed to show out on a given day. But I got a lot of rest. I I learned the second lesson that I'm going to describe by my junior and senior year. One of the things that happens is a lot of people can handle a 10 amount of work if they rest and recuperate effectively and appropriately. The problem is that most people are now jumping out of that 10 workout and into a 7.5 easy run <laughs> and not a five on the easy run scale, right? Right. And that's what happens is that accumulated load over a season, over six months or three months or whatever the window is, that lack of full comeback and recovery means that you're getting pushed further and further and then that 10 is a 10 still, but you're not recovering very well from it and you're overloaded and so then you don't get the recovery and that's the place where most of the benefit is coming from is in that recovery phase. Yes, the work that we do is the most important part. I got an email a couple of weeks ago when I said, all, everything happens in the recovery phase. Okay. No, I know I was being a little, I was being a little um, hyperbolic there, but I was just trying to make make people aware of it, that the work is really important and doing the work is really important, but the recovery is like part of the work. And if you cheat it with that too hard it's of
1: recovery. in and the yang man yeah if you if it's you're the if, whole, it's the whole you can't have the work without the recovery
0: and that grind starts yeah. to really wear on you to the point where you begin to not be inured to it and you don't pay attention to it and then it pushes those tens into 11 and 12 zone and you know a couple of those and you get a blowout you get some kind of catastrophic injury or you get fully you get fully overtrained and you either show yeah. up anemic and your body, you know, just, just starts to shut you down. You don't have enough, you're not creating enough, uh, um, you don't have, your iron levels are too low to be able to do the work and your blood just doesn't allow it to happen. So I, I just like to highlight that and say, Hey, what's too much, what's too much is overtraining and you need to work on figuring out how to do that. We talked about that in an episode recently, like on the easy run episode, we thought, we discussed yeah, that a good yeah. bit. Um, but I do
1: think it had when, a lot to do with the, you know, the, the RPE and kind of getting acutely aware of the RPE and, 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 you know, in my case, mentally not comparing myself to somebody else's RPE, like my elite friend who I won't name, cause I don't want to disclose any names or anything, but his easy run is like 645. Mm-hmm. My easy run is not 645. Right. Yep. And for me to even think that my RPE is not calibrated right, because my buddy does 645 easy runs is like completely it's and even it's, people who even are on headspace space that i that i'm in is like that's where that fatigue comes in is kind of adopting somebody else's rate of perceived exertion all that stuff and and your buddy like, is fast a lot yeah. faster than you are so yeah, exactly.
0: 645 might be appropriate for him right yeah. so i mean it's hard to say but i do think this is the area of really of, a real challenge with it when it comes to grind is finding for yourself Um, where that appropriate amount of work is. Um, Now, I will say, you know, when we get late in a cycle, when I'm late in a cycle with workouts with folks, um, there'll be a period of time, typically about two-thirds of the way through the cycle, usually about three to six weeks prior to the taper, um, people start to feel a grind that is normal, natural, and necessary. Um, Mm -hmm. For whatever they're doing that there needs to be a systemic load on the system enough to allow for super compensation where that and this is where the grind gets so sexy and this is where the place where people get over over using the grind but you should only be grinding for no more than six weeks of your training window. If you're thinking about in your preparation, a real grind, a real long-term systemic grind where you're having a little bit of trouble getting back out the door in the morning and your thoughts about running your volume, but do you want to run all that volume? And and that's where playing with your weekly volume can be very helpful because you can drop that volume a little bit and maybe get some more recovery, but you should be going into each of your sessions feeling a little ground and a little tired. The one Pro
1: tip. Accumulated, like
0: healthy, accumulated fatigue. Yeah. One pro tip to tell when it's appropriate or inappropriate is mm-hmm. if you're feeling better two-thirds of the way through the session. So okay. even in a really tough, hard workout, if at the beginning of it it's really, really bad, the first third is really bad, but the first third to the second third – feels better and you start feeling pretty good but then that last third goes right back to feeling shitty yeah that's about with the way it should be hey the- that's
1: a nice nugget I like that yeah it's you like know, a third into in the uh, I'm gonna keep that uh, pretty salient going into the last like, what is it, nine weeks out of my next race? And it and so. it's a
0: really good way to test yourself too, to know alright, did I get any recovery from that? Did I start, did, did the work, so what's happening there I think is that the system needs, I don't know exactly what's going on, all right Because each one of these areas, is so you it's, the biology the physiology of training is so interesting, because we have to provide this incredible amount of load in order to get a boost. Um, It's kind of like what's going on right now with antibiotics across the world. Like antibiotics are starting to not work. Like we, there's a theory out there, medical theory out there that's really worried about what might happen because the viruses and the, all the things that are out there that we usually take antibiotics for are starting to not necessarily function as well because The system is trying to figure out they're figuring out ways to bypass it. They, whatever they are, viruses or whatever they are. But anyway. Virus grinders. Yeah. But I do think that there's something there that we need to be thinking a little bit about is just, hey, how do I, how, I need that load, but I need that load to be appropriate and and work in that little window of the second, third being manageable. Okay. I'm not and I'm not talking about feeling great. I'm not like being on cloud nine and like you're all packed with super, super super energy and everything else. But no, you should be like, oh, grind, terrible, horrible. Oh, not so bad. Okay. Oh, shit. Here it comes. It's coming. And then that last third might then be very, very difficult again because that's the place where we know we're getting a little bit more stress on the system and then recuperate and recover and then maybe we might be able to drop it back up again. And that's what we're doing. The problem is this does not get graphed. It's impossible to graph this because it can't graph it because everybody's different. But that doesn't mean that you're off the hook for doing your own graph. Like you have to figure out your own appropriate grind, where that sits with you. That pro tip is one that I've used for other people and they have found it pretty useful, pretty I helpful.
1: Logically, the some of the best advice that somebody can get is is that with time you can you can learn to graph kind of your your own scale
0: and when that happens then I promise you if you get there and you get into that space where you note it and then you note it cycle after cycle so you note it um, going into a major performance and then your performance is good and you recovered from that load that what felt like the grind was maybe just right on the edge of too much but you but you came through it okay the level of trust that you gain in yourself and your ability to make that monitoring to do that using your felt sense experience not and remember your paces will not indicate your feeling state Let me repeat that. Paces do not indicate feeling state. And the only thing that matters to your nervous system while you're out there working is your feeling state. It's all that matters. So that's why I'm always arguing for getting better at utilizing it. And it's really important to couple it around paces. So it's not that I'm saying that the paces don't matter. It's just that they are one metric. The metric that's actually the variable that doesn't change. Because if you want to run 650- per mile for a marathon, there'll be periods of time where that number is gonna be really, really important because that's the threshold necessary for you to achieve the goal that you want. So having some relationality to that pace is really important. But the relationality is the key here, not the pace. It's the way your body and your mind and your soul are feeling about it. And there's gonna be a grind right there are you comfortable and, with your yeah. grind are you and in the right place
1: those two correct things can ground you in some type of reality and then you can put that on an xy coordinate system and then kind of ride those two points in the relationship all the way up to up into the right you know or maybe you'll end up in quadrant four or some shit. But, I, I think
0: this is what i think this is what what i've read about mark allen mm-hmm. why mark allen was such a fucking badass mm-hmm was because his aerobic volume was so big because his coach focused so much on that zone two work. He did so but he much.
1: He knew how to get into the grind. But it when it different. came to
0: grind time, he yeah. was no one was better than he was at doing it right. And it was idiosyncratic. It was his own. It wasn't based on anybody That's else's grind. A
1: meditative, yes. Practice comes in like all the stuff was for that was a that was a way that he could kind of ground himself in the reality it provided a frame oh. that allowed him to feel a sense of purpose with it both the
0: suffering and the recovery everything was in its right place and as he got as he said if, in that in one interview i listened to it was so good he said as in his last three to five years it was just like he was operating at a level that he couldn't even describe he was just on all the time
1: it's so badass yeah
0: yeah and i think that people can get there i think people have had periods of that but if you want to do that long term then getting the grind and appropriately grinding in your cycle is going to be a really critical key piece to getting it nailed in and dialed in and i'm not sure exactly how much practical
1: advice we provided here brother honestly i think i think it's 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 immensely practical i don't care if anybody thinks it is or isn't, I think, I think that the two, the two biggest takeaways are kind of, I mean, what you just ended on in terms of, of, of even something is just take it at face value, but like six weeks out before a six month effort, Mm -hmm. you know, really start to hone in on the appropriateness of the intention and kind of the way that you're, you can start to then really take an acute look at like reverse engineering kind of some of those paces and everything and
0: you know another place places another place that's really good is fueling so that person who's looking at what they're doing from a fueling perspective what's going to work for them and not work for them your whole body's going to be much more on edge and near the mm-hmm. in that part of the cycle so doing a long run with your fueling plan doing a you know i i have my la- my sessions in that period of time are very race specific they're either they're either state, getting them into the feeling state specific or they're pace specific, one of the two, right? And that's a great time to work on your nutrition because your right. body will be really stressed to the right amount and you'll be, you should be able to sense your fueling helping you. You should be able to sense that it's giving you back. It's all, Now that's the fueling piece, but the nutrition piece is really important too. Like I think people can eat like shit for much longer periods of time than they realize, but in that window, that six week window, you better be eating as clean as humanly possible. You need to be eating whole foods, high on fruits and 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 simple carbohydrates so you get the best kind of mix of fueling that you can possibly get to be ready for that next day and then you start listening to your cravings here's another thing that happens with this is you're really good at listening to cravings and you start to crave things and when you crave it you get it like breakfast tacos I mean, if you're craving a breakfast taco in that window of time eat a breakfast taco you probably need more protein right like like there there times where I've craved bread meat oh and... yeah my wife
1: oh, to need a lot of red meat, and yep. I was. I just looked at her one day. and I was like, I can't explain it. I need it now.
0: Well, you I live like you it. live like a mile away from the best steakhouse in Austin, so you should just go down there and eat there.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I, and then to answer your question too, I think that it is such a. I think that this is the the, the shadow side of every uh, operational procedure that's written in a training plan. Is everybody is dealing with their their own level of where they are, when they should grind, when they shouldn't grind. And, and I think that we often talk about it in the light that it is what it is. It's, it's, a, it's very kind of, like I said, it's just a myopic topic when it enters into the zeitgeist. And I think it's way more personal than anything else. And, and kind of just a, a reminder for people that just to talk about it. It's one of those things that if you talk about it in a healthy way, it just it it's good it's a good thing like i don't i don't know how else to say that because there's so i'm not gonna say that there's an abundance of, of of negative you know talk about it but there seems to it seems to be easier to just kind of get a little bit machismo about about it than than it is to get personal with it and and getting personal with it is a whole different flavor than it just being and is or isn't thing. So I, I think that the the general the general idea of just discussing it and talking about it is is worth the discourse alone.
0: yeah and and I also think that if you do talk about it, then you're going to be able to find the people who grind the way you grind appropriately and dovetail your training with them at the critical times when that comes about. If they're at the right appropriate paces for you, appropriate efforts, and they're doing an appropriate session. There's nothing that I have felt that's even stronger. In fact, I think some of my very most memorable training experiences, I mean, running experiences at all, were training experiences with a small cadre of committed folk who were going for the same goal. I think about my preparation for um, Pike's Peak one year. We were doing... Um, interminable repeats of the hell of life like Mm -hmm. just non-ending repeats and um, and you know the grind there was really epic and then the others grinding with you appropriately made it so much more epic and we were all moving at different paces you know we were all moving at different paces in fact it was a duration based workout so it was just like keep going until the timer goes off but that feeling of seeing others suffer the way you were suffering, and then you'd sort of pop into into default mode network where you're just like trying to not think about anything and just like blood, sweat, and tears, blood, sweat, and tears, blood, sweat, and tears. And then you would see somebody suffering and you would see them in their default mode of blood, sweat, and tears on your, on your jog back down. And you'd be like that's my people, that's my person. Like they're grinding appropriately and beautifully as well, right? And then sometimes when you see people inappropriately grinding, it's like seeing them like take a dump. Like you don't (laughs) wanna see it. Like, oh, like don't do that. Like this is a private, like you shouldn't be grinding like that, right? Like. You know, yeah. it's like, leave it, leave it alone. Yeah, yeah. Like, please leave yeah. it alone or do it in private. I don't want to see this. I, I yeah. really don't want to see this.
1: <laughs> no, I, I agreed. It, it's, I don't know if it's related or unrelated, but I'm, you know, I'm almost done listening to the, the, the Elon Musk book. And there was a portion about, I think it was in the, you know, acquiring Twitter and, you know, converting it into the X era. And it was were looking at at programmers they just weren't looking for the programmers that knew how to grind they were looking for it was it was really cool because they were looking for the teams that worked well together because what they discovered was that a team of good people was far superior than one great person and it was like it was an interesting I mean even better if the team is full of great people but like it, it you know appropriate grinders but uh but it was it, it's just a cool it's just a cool thing to see how much you can accomplish in a mission or a goal when you when you can identify the proper the the proper team setup too uh I, I think that that's that's what I think this is that training with with the group really? i think this is a
0: sacred space right mm-hmm. in the, the the sense that jesus said in where more than one of you where more where two or more of you are gathered in my name i'm there and i always think about that in group environments that if you yeah. get two or three people who are there for the right reason that they're agreement they're in agreement on something extra comes in something extra happens. That extra, you call it what you want. Depending on your worldview, you can call it whatever you want. But that extra is something that is uh, so humanly valued. It is the one value we value the most. And it requires this, as we said in the risk episode, it does require this level of suffering to, to, to be in it, right? But to do it with others appropriately, with discretion in the way that's necessary creates a space that can't be accomplished, um, anywhere else. It's just
1: very special. It's hard to get, it's hard to get sober in a room of one. (laughs) It's why why you have a meeting, (laughs) you know, and, or in my case, it's why I default to, to the running community as a conduit of, you know, keeping me sober. So it was just like, it, it, you know, it's the the, the power. That a lot of the times you would hear something like, if you can't identify your higher power, just the group. Yep. Just just look at the group. You don't it's mean, always in relation. It's <laughs> a default. Just just use the thing. It's
0: I mean, always just, in relation that we moving. find these it's, things. Yeah, 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 exactly. We we over we privilege so much our unique individual experience, but relationality really opens up spaces that are so much more uh, impactful. Um uh, it doesn't yes. mean that the individual space isn't impactful because I've had some of the most amazing lifetime experiences solo. But it was never without – usually those were in relationship to nature in some way. So yeah, some kind of way where I'm now relating to something much bigger and more and wow, you know, yeah, higher power – can mean a whole lot of different things <laughs> <Exactly>.
1: <laughs> depending on who, who and where you are if you can't, if you can't identify it then yeah. look to your running group <laughs> yeah and
0: and then find the one who grinds the way you grind and grind yeah, exactly. it. it's so cool yeah it's awesome that's
1: a nice bookend man I think we did an alright job with this, with this conversation today
0: yeah it was a it was a Hail Mary right <laughs> it was a shot they across all. the bow today
1: <laughs> they all are but this one yeah. this one was especially um, nice for me Cool. Well, y'all, thanks so much for
0: listening to the Keep Going podcast. Michael and I really appreciate you. Um, if you want to, you can uh, you can like and subscribe. Even though we're not on we're not on YouTube, you can uh, you can tell us you like us by um, just liking it on whatever podcast you use. Because then it finds the others. As we've said repeatedly, we don't really have any. We're doing this for our own health and well being. Um, if you find it useful, there are others who probably who need to get this whether they're in taiwan or Turkestan or um in um i don't know torrance california somebody somewhere could benefit from this so if you like it if you if you think it's good for you then other people might like it we'd like to get more folks on the keep going train not because we get anything from it just because it's good for people to find the others so do so and whatever you do godspeed my friends godspeed